Dr. Clark, it's not unusual for a teacher to have a nickname, hopefully a nice one. And at Cedarville University, you're known as the singing professor. Now, in your career as an educator, when is the first time you utilized a song in the classroom? Yeah. You know, it's been so long that I've used music that uh, I'm not sure I could pinpoint an exact time. Um, I probably used it at some point uh, back uh, when I graduated from college, when I was serving as a youth pastor for a while, and I probably used it in my teaching in that way. But I definitely remember uh, using it uh, music in the classroom during my years teaching at a Christian high school in Kansas at Berean Academy. And um, I would incorporate music in a number of ways, sometimes weaving it in like I more often do now um, into uh, the topics that we were covering, sometimes actually um, hauling out a guitar and inviting the students to sing with me occasionally on things. So when did the, the light go off in your head saying, I want to try this? I mean, you know, what what caused that to happen? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure that the, uh, the moniker singing professor is uh, well-deserved um, entirely, but um, I, I certainly have used music uh, for a long time. And Though I can't pinpoint a moment, I do know that uh, in teaching, um, I would spontaneously think of a piece of music that was either period authentic to what we were talking about or that illustrated a particular theme, a longing uh, or a joy or a concern that people had uh, in the era that we're talking about. And I would use that text that would come through my mind and sing a few phrases. And um, students typically sat up. Uh, they, I would see smiles come to those who were paying attention. I would sh- see awkwardly shocked looks on faces of students that hadn't been paying attention. Um, and often it caused students to talk to me after class and say something like, I had never thought of that idea like you described it until you sang that. And then I realized that those things were connected. Or someone would come to me afterwards and say, I did not really think that this was a terribly important subject. And then I thought of how much that music expressed what people were struggling with. And a lot of times they can't articulate to me in quite that those words, but they students would come and indicate that this helped them think about the material in a different way. And somewhere along the line, I realized, now I should pay attention when it comes up. And at this point, we will take a break in our interview to let you hear an example of what students hear when Dr. Clark feels motivated to, to sing in the classroom to drive home a point about American history or other history. So this is an actual classroom recording. So there's a little echo and so forth, but this will give you an idea for the next minute or so of of what can go on. Is the story of America what 19th century Baptist pastor and missions leader Samuel Francis Smith wrote in 1831 while he was a student at Andover Theological Seminary in Massachusetts? Was the story of America? My country is of sweet land of liberty. 
Okay, that was a uh, classroom recording and uh, gives you an idea of, of, of what goes on when uh, Dr. Clark feels that uh, it's time for a song. So back to our interview now. Do the students ever join in or sing back to you? Sometimes. Um, I sometimes invite them if I think either I have had some time with the class and they are used to me and they know that they're in a safe place, you know, uh, or if I think it's a very familiar song, um, then I will kind of wave my hand in a circle motion that says, join me while I'm singing, you know, and sometimes students will, and of course others will just laugh and look sheepish or, uh, if they're not terribly musically oriented, uh, but sometimes they do. I don't like to put my students in a difficult place. Um, and cause them to feel like they have to participate in something like that, uh, especially in the college classroom, I use it more as an illustration. In fact, I have to be honest, I only have a handful, um, maybe a couple hands full, of places at which I know in advance that I'm going to incorporate music. And often I sing it myself. Um, I grew up singing, came from a relatively musical family, um, I've been involved in church music uh, for much of my life, for leading music at camps, um, and uh, I, I learned an awful lot of uh, music and developed my ability, especially for years serving at uh, Newton Bible Church in Newton, Kansas, and being a part of that church family gave me freedom to develop uh, vocally. So I have confidence, but I know that not all students do, and so I often don't even know when I'm going to uh, use a musical illustration uh, of what we're talking about. Um, it sometimes comes to me in the midst of a lecture that's unplanned. Probably more often than not, it's spontaneous. Uh, and I'll sing a phrase or I'll mention something. I try to sing in the, in the voice and the tone and the style of the era that we're talking about, uh, which often is enlightening to students as well. So what is an example of an historic song that you might use? What, what have you utilized before? Sure. So um, when I've taught, for example, in the civil rights movement, um, students are often not familiar with uh, music of the civil rights era. And in particular, uh, a song like We Shall Overcome, which was central as a as an anthem of the civil rights era um, is something that a lot of my students I find aren't familiar with, or they've heard that over and over again. They know the phrase, but they've never really sung that or known it. Maybe they don't, if they're not African-American students, they don't have that heritage. Uh, of course, my African-American students in the classroom rarely don't know that song uh, because it's a part of their, their cultural heritage and their family tradition. But then other songs related to the civil rights era, such as one going back to the early 20th century, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is sometimes called the Black National Anthem. And uh, it not only is a rich piece of music, um, but it also conveys in particular the black experience at the in the first decades of segregation, not at the end during the civil rights era, but in the first decades. And it expresses the hopefulness of that era 
that was some, somewhat lost to later generations, even in the in the 20th century. So that's a couple of places I do. I sometimes use music like um, Tennessee Ernie Ford's rendition of 16 Tons, which was actually written by Merle Haggard uh, in the 40s, but Ford made popularized in the mid-50s. And Tennessee Ernie Ford has such a unique voice tone, and I kind of enjoy imitating it. <laughs> um, and when we talk about um, the challenges of industrialization, even though Haggard and Ford were somewhat later when they cre- that music was created and performed, it expresses really well an earlier generation's struggle with the depersonal impersonalization or the depersonalization of uh, industrialization and and worker experience. And so um, I will often use that song. I use pieces like uh, the 1831 um, uh, creation of uh, My Country Tis of Thee, um, and uh, the author, uh, a gentleman named Bates, um, sees the hope and the expectation of um, human experience in America under freedom. But then I'm able to talk about what is the the identity of America? How do we how do we think about America? Why do some people think of America as not being a place about freedom? And uh, so sometimes I'll even substitute my own words in the voice of uh, of others who might disagree with Bates. Uh, and then we talk about why is Bates right, and in what ways is honest history question that in some ways? Um, so. And, and not that Bates is an honest history. I think he was right <laughs> that the, the country was of God's um, hand in one way or another, even though it is not necessarily um, uh, God's nation. God has one nation, the nation of Israel. But um, as a people, God definitely works in nations, and he certainly has worked through the United States. Um, so there's just some ways in which I use it. But really, I would go back to say um, spontaneity is most common. I really only sometimes know that I'm going to use music in a classroom right. in so any it, given lecture. It, it sounds like you believe that, that music, that songs have power. I would definitely agree with that. I, um, you know, truth is the power that changes lives, right? The Lord Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But, um, Music as a medium for conveying information or ideas or longing or experience, there's a way also in which music touches the soul, that uh, words, truth spoken propositionally, um, perhaps has a difficult time getting through the layers of people's uh, walls and barriers, but music tends to get through. And it's the expression of people made in the image of God, whether they know the God who made them or not. Uh, it's often an expression of the creativity of the image of God in them. And so it combines that richness of human experience in a way that conveys to other people with power. Uh, I think what uh, mere words are sometimes limited in doing. As an educator and, and as a Christian yourself, what goes through your heart when you see a student or a group of students kind of 
oh, I get it, you know, where, where it clicks mm-hmm. and they realize a moment in history or a point you're trying to make? What what goes through your, your heart? I, you know, this, these are the moments we teach for. Um, those of us who love to teach, uh, who love to help people grow into the um, the servants of God that God designed them to be, to understand the world in which they live in order to be more effective uh, in their generation. The light bulb moments are what we live for. I I am very attuned in the classroom, not only to uh, the content that I'm covering, but to the people I am walking through that content with. So I'm often reminded that I teach students, not content. Of course, we teach content. It would be pretty useless without it. But it's the student learner in the classroom that matters. And so what I can do to help them connect with the content in a way that God can use that in their lives uh, as he develops them, brings them to faith in Christ, perhaps, or here at Cedarville University, most of our students um, have made a clear commitment uh, to faith in Christ. And so uh, they're growing into his image and all truth guides them uh, toward the God who is the God of truth. All right. And now maybe a, a fun type question for you. If if we could sneak a peek into your Spotify favorites, what would we find? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I am a person um, who is very convinced that music, both the lyrics and the text of actual musical score um, are is they're, they're they're mediums of of communication so um, I have uh, strong convictions about uh, different types of music conveying the what the words mean uh, more effectively than other types of music do but um, I have a wide variety of interest in music and so I grew up with a dad who uh, was a World War II vet and who loved big band swing. And you would probably find some big band swing in my Spotify list. I love historic um, patriotic music. And so I'm curious about that and how that conveys different generations' views of America and American identity. So I'm interested in that. Kind of like classical music and in particular string symphony music. Uh, so I enjoy that a lot too, but I'm kind of a sucker for blues and jazz uh, on some levels as well. So you you um, you would find a lot. I in particular love hymns, and uh, I find that probably my Spotify list would be dominated by uh, solid biblical hymnology from different generations of God's people expressing the faith that they have experienced. Uh, and the truth that they know from the word uh, in their own in their own ways, uh, and uh, fresh expressions of faith in our generation as well would have a big part of that. All right. And from what you mentioned a little bit earlier, I still have bouncing around in my head sixteen tons of number nine coal. <laughs> that is exactly right. T- Tennessee and Ford. There's a wide variety of interest. Um, yeah, it's a terrible question for me to have to answer because, <laughs> yeah, I'm a real fan of uh, 1960s folk rock uh, as well. <laughs> I just have a variety of interests. 
but right. um, I think it's important to know what music is communicating, to be discerning about what it means. You can appreciate music that you also think is communicating the wrong thing. Uh, and there's, it's worth knowing that music, too, to ask why is that being communicated that way, and how can we counter that false notion of, of uh, the world that God made. All right. Dr. Clark, Robert, I really appreciate your, your talking with us and sharing your heart. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you, Mr. Hunt.